The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. A Monday is upon us, and Sean Hackett joins us with Hackett Financial. As we look, Sean, at what's been happening in the markets, I kind of made the comment that, you know, overnight trade, we saw pretty much steady numbers in the corn, and it just kind of followed through in the day trade for today. Not a lot of excitement for this corn market. No, there really hasn't been. We've been wedged squarely between um, uh, some, you know, some bullish um, demand side ideas because of last year's poor crops and some supportive weather to concerns over ethanol margins and, and a pullback there and, and concern over how many more acres are we going to plant in the upcoming season and will that hurt the overall expectation that we are going to continue to run down our global and domestic corn stocks. So, so we just continue to be stuck uh, in, that, in that zone and, and we haven't been able to make much headway one way or the other and I'm not sure that's going to change much for a little while unless maybe there's a trade deal that gets the bean meal market going. You know, maybe that could drag the corn market out of this range for a little while, but that still might be a little bit further out into late February before we get something like that. You know, for so long we've been always so used to, you know, this time of year where we focus on the on the crop that is in South America. We're used to getting the data, used to getting information, and it has been on the quieter side. Obviously, part of the partial government shutdown, and then obviously South America not releasing what they're seeing but some of the recent weather patterns look to be talking of excessive rain and then you throw in some dryness so it's just a big mixed barrel coming out of south america yeah i mean the weather has been supportive um and everything that you know we look at that uh, that, that suggests that that's this weather pattern of excessive rainfall in argentina and some expanding pockets of dryness and heat in parts of you know the grain belt in brazil um, are likely to continue into February. And February is really the demarcation line where you go from, okay, it's an issue, but so what, to, oh, this could be a problem that may not be you know, reversible. And so I think I think the weather, although it's been somewhat supportive, I think it could really be supportive if we can get these weather models to verify uh, that February could be a repeat of what, uh, you know, December and January have been. And, and that could provide some excitement that we haven't seen, you know, haven't seen in a while. That's non trade related let's put it that way (laughs) no kidding now if we see some struggles coming out of south america for the for the corn crop that we've got here still in storage can that hopefully put some optimism in the pocketbooks for these producers um i'm sorry uh susan i didn't catch that nope that's fine i'm just wondering if it's going to put some optimism in the pocketbooks for these producers should south america you know continue to have more struggles oh absolutely i mean i think i'm thinking if we can get a legitimate um weather recalibration in February, I think the prices will go up high enough, especially for new crop corn, because of the premium afforded to it on the carry, you know, that, you know, you, you could actually look at a price that would work, um, at least to some extent for most, most uh, corn farmers in the U.S. So I think there could be a selling opportunity from that um, if we can get there. And, and I think there's a pretty good chance we will. Um, the weather models are starting to really kind of come together and, and, and be in, in unusual agreement about this. So I think I think there's a window of, and if we can get a trade deal on top of it, you could have quite a quite a surprise move here that uh, you know that we, we want to sell into fairly quickly, just in case it's the buy the rumor, sell the news hangover that we see so often in markets these days. No kidding, and I've heard some rumblings as well. I'm sure you've heard maybe more in depth that these trade talks with China 
could be bringing some good progress and some potentials out there for our crop. Yeah, everything looks good. You know, that we continue to have meetings. We continue to have both sides making good comments. We continue to, it almost reminds me of the Mexican trade deal. I mean, the NAFTA trade deal situation where we weren't talking for a few months and then we started talking and we just kept moving the ball down and, and hammered out a deal. It, it really looks like both sides already, um, they, maybe not to get everything they had wanted to get out of this deal, but they're ready to come up with some kind of a deal that uh, kind of eases the pain because I think both, you know, the U.S. and President Trump and obviously um, China are, 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 you know, kind of, the pain is becoming more um, detrimental, I think, now than the than the, the pleasure of bad-mouthing each other. And I think they, they both agree that they need to just kind of calm this down for the betterment of both countries' economies. As we look at the soybean market, do you think this discussion that's going on with China and then, of course, the weather concerns that are in South America are just adding a more unique type of pressure to this winter market? Do I think, do I think those things are, can continue to push soybeans higher? Is that what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yes, even though we saw a lower trade today. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, you know, look, soybeans, you know, any, any day-to-day movement, I think today's down swing in soybeans is mostly from the negative numbers we got on trade from China. Anytime you get those kind of numbers, people worry, oh, my gosh, you know, that's not good because obviously soybeans are so um, reliant upon, you know, selling to not only China but being yield to the rest of the world. So so I think that's today is mostly a trade-related thing. And of course, corn really isn't impacted that much because we really don't sell that much of corn to China or, or others like we do soybeans. And so I think that today is more about just concern over demand versus optimism over trade. But I think ultimately... Any trade deal is going to have at least the Chinese come in for a little while and buy a lot of our soybeans. Um, e- even if they may pull back later, for a little while, they're going to buy a lot. And I think that's still going to be the main driver here and overweigh those fears of overall demand being down maybe later in the year. We got some weekly export inspection numbers considered to be good on the corn, much better than expected on the soybeans. Yeah, I mean, I think I think we're in this pocket right now for U.S. soybeans where uh, South America sold out. They, you know, they're not uh, you know they're not bringing any new supply in yet. We have plenty to sell, as you know, and um, you know, our dollar's been a little weaker uh, as of late. And so, on the margin, I think those that need to buy uh, have to come to the U.S. And, and remember that the premium afforded South America and Brazil uh, last year due to the trade war has been removed. So we're competitive again. We're competitive. Well, stick around, folks. We've got more coming up here on the Fontenelle Final Bell. Sean Hackett's joining us. And, of course, with Sean joining us, we're going to talk some dairy and some interesting positive dairy notes. We'll talk more about that in the second half. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sean Hackett's joining us, a hack of financial advisors. We're going to look at the dairy industry like we always do when we talk to Sean. And let's talk a little bit about this milk. And specifically, we're looking at milk powder right now. And some positive news, Sean. Very, very positive news. Um, we, we had a terrible, terrible bear market in uh, milk powder um, several years ago after the Chinese had had spiked bought, uh, milk powder globally due to a, a scandal uh, uh, domestically, where they were basically uh, uh, producing tainted milk powder, and you know their uh, their uh, citizens were were getting sick and dying from it. So, um, but this necessitated the Europeans to build these monster 
uh, stocks of milk powder that had been hanging over this market for years. But in the last six to nine months, those powder supplies have fallen over 65%. We've actually never seen a stockpile uh, fall like this other than you know, weather-related you know, crop production problems. And we've, we've actually never seen a reduction this fast of a well-advertised um, big surplus supply before in any market we've been dealing with for decades. And it's really, really amazing that after years of nobody wanting these, these milk powder supplies from the EU, uh, they just took it right off their hands. And the biggest buyer of this powder has been China. China's been going through a major, major issue of uh, milk production falling rapidly for milk powder and for fluid milk. And um, so this is not being driven by an event. This is being, dri- being driven by a inability economically to produce milk domestically in China. And that problem is not going to go away. So we feel this demand for milk powder is sustainable uh, for a long period of time. And it's starting to move the milk powder price up significantly for the first time in a while. And milk powder-driven bull markets in milk are, are really the ones that are most exciting um, as, as eventually it takes the rest of the market with it. So, so we're pretty optimistic that we've turned the corner uh, for overall dairy prices led by milk powder. And we think 2019 is finally going to be a year that your dairy producers that are listening to this program are going to finally be able to sell at a price that can cover their costs and put some money in their pockets. You just put a smile on every dairy producer I know. Excellent news for them as they look forward to 2019. And, and seeing this and the pressure that's there, is this something that we can sustain going into the second, even the third quarter, as they have to look at feed costs and, and look at the, where the dairy prices have been? Well, the feed cost, is, one thing we would say about feed costs is that you know, they still remain fairly low. Um, and if they're given a chance to sell milk on a nice rally here on this milk powder rally, it may be a trade deal, don't forget we also think that the trade deal with China could have a lot of demand coming for U.S. dairy. Um, they they better make sure they lock in those costs. It's very very important to not just sell the milk price and, and forget to cover your your feed costs because somewhere somewhere out there the U.S. is going to have a bad weather year. I know we haven't had one in five or six years, and we're never going to have a bad crop ever again. But of course we are, and. Uh, I just think the most important thing I would like to convey is that you, if, if we get this move up that I think we're going to get in the first half and you sell it, please make sure you get enough coverage on the feed side because the worst thing that could happen to you is you think you've made a profitable sale and then it turns out to be unprofitable because feed prices take off and you haven't locked it in. Sean, we do have a question coming from from a beef producer. They remembered you talking the last time you were on the air with me, and we were talking about the the movement of dairy cattle to the slaughter market. He's wondering, are you still looking at that picture, or we're going to continue to see a steady number coming in? Yeah, we're still very, very positive. We're still very, very supportive of cattle prices and beef prices um, heading at, you know at least into the middle to the end of the first quarter. We still feel that the overall slowdown in U.S. supplies is going to be supportive. We still feel that this African swine fever uh, pandemic that has developed in China and the aversion of many domestic Chinese consumers away from tainted pork and over to clean meat like beef and chicken is going to continue to kind of overrun the cattle market. And so we still like that market a lot and, and, and still feel that although prices have been sort of moving up you know, in sort of a choppy fashion, uh, we still think there's quite a bit more upside to go, and we would, uh, you know, we would think that the best marketing opportunities still remain 
ahead of us at least into the end of the first quarter, and then there might be some kind of a pause. But we're still pretty, you know, pretty solid that market. We still see that market having very good reasons to go higher at least over the next two or three months. And you talk about the African swine fever, Sean. There's a lot of questioning out there to the validity of, of those numbers being released by China. Many thinking there's a lot more ho- hog herds that are being affected. I think the problem is so big and is so sp- widespread. And when you think how large their country is, think how hard, if you just think about our country, how hard it is to get reliable data in their you know their country in terms of geography is you know four or five times you know greater geography. Uh, geographical expanse. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Sean? Always best to go to our website at Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. We have free samples, white papers we've written, information of our services. It's a great place to learn more about what we do and how we might be able to help. All right, sounds good. That is a Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.